Hi, I'm Gail. And hi, I'm Catherine. Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. Please join Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, so we may continue to inspire women to age with curiosity, courage, and creativity. Aging Reimagined Circle hosts probing discussions each month. Visit our upcoming events at womenover70.com and join us and join today. And today we're excited to bring Patty Temple Rocks into our studio as an advocate. She's had a long and successful and immensely rewarding career in marketing and communications. And yet she says, I'm not done. And again, as the title of her most recent book in tones, she says, I'm still not done. It's time to talk about ageism in the workplace. Here's your book. <laughs> Since starting her career at Dow Chemical in 1981, Patty has learned more than she could ever have dreamed possible, had a ton of fun along the way, and collected a treasure trove of stories and experiences. One of those, sadly, was observing and feeling ageism. Today, she is author, speaker, and obsessed with making sure that age inclusivity is on every company's DEI agenda and that everyone gets to end their career when and how they want it, not when ageist stereotypes say they should. Her first book, I'm Not Done, It's Time to Talk About Ageism in the Workplace, was ranked as one of the nine books every professional should read in 2019 by Inc. magazine. The world has changed since 2019, so she wrote a second edition of the book called I'm Still Not Done, because she is not and ageism is, unfortunately, still widespread. Patty's work and her story have been featured in Fast Company, Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, Inc. Magazine, CEO World, Market Watch, Art Magazine, and more. So, Patty, welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. And, and let's start here. As a so-called, quote, older worker yourself, right? Right. You say you've learned and done so much, and it simply makes no sense that all, at all that experience and wisdom would be packed away. So what does ageism actually mean? How were you affected, and how does it appear in the workplace? Well, those are all really big questions. So, um, you know, let me sort of take them one at a time. And, and really, ageism is a behavior that we practice. Being ageist is or practicing age discrimination is against the law. And so I think it's kind of important to understand that one is clearly protected, um, but the other is much more subtle, sneaky, um, unkind, cruel, all any of the words that you want to use to describe it. So ageism to me is simply making incorrect assumptions that often lead to actions simply based on a person's age. And it can, by the way, be young or old. It is not simply ageism can sometimes be practiced against the very young who someone assumes aren't old enough to know or understand a certain sort of thing. So I think that it it's, you know, I often refer to it as sneaky and insidious. And I think that one of the reasons that I'll use my own professional life and career, I have no idea it was a thing in my 30s 
not really probably even in my 40s. And it wasn't until my 50s that I just started to observe it, not yet feeling it. But I think some of it is when you're in your 30s or 40s and you think about a colleague retiring. If Even if that colleague is 50-something, when you're 30, that seems older, you know? And so we don't start to put it all together, I think, until we get older ourselves. And statistics actually show that when, you know, in our 20s, we think 50s old. In our 30s, we no longer think 50s old. You know, and it literally goes up by a decade. As we age by a decade, so does our our stereotype or our images, and I don't, you know, of what older sort of looks like. So I think that some of what happened with me is I just started being a little bit more conscious and I started to see some of these behaviors, attitudes, practices in play, using them against people that I knew were still all in and had plenty to give. And I I wrote about an example of a woman who was my, had been my, you know, mentor, ultimately became one of my close friends. And then in an odd twist of fate, recruited me to come back to work for a company that we were both, had both worked for. And so she became my boss. Mm-hmm. And I started to see she wasn't invited to certain meetings. Um, there was more mansplaining and it wasn't just men in meetings that she was present at. And it, it just seemed like she was somehow less sought after or, and therefore less engaged. And I said to our CEO, who was her direct boss, my, you know, second line boss at a social party once one night, you know, I, I see what's happening and I gave her a, you know, assumed name in my book, but I said, I could see what's happening to Angelina, assuming he would think it was crazy. What is going on and why is it happening? And his response to me was twofold and it was upsetting on both levels. One was he said, well, don't you see this could be good for you? And I was in no way wanting my own career to benefit from something that I felt wasn't right happening to her. But then the second thing just knocked me off my feet because he said, you know, she's been with us for a very, very long time. I think she's just tired. And anybody that knows my friend, would that's just a word you would never have used to describe her. She was not tired. You know, she was. Um, so that's when my antenna just went, you know, boop, 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 crazy thinking, tired? What is, is tired a euphemism for something? And sure enough, like a lot of things, digital native means young, tired means old, set in their ways means old. You know, there's lots of different ways that we describe people in the workforce that we're either working with or looking for that are actually quite ageist. And so that was kind of when, like I said, I just, I woke up and realized that I'd been missing some signals probably long before that, and it was time to do something about it. Wow. And so were you yourself affected by ageism? Were you let I I was. I was not let go. And um and and that's I think an important distinction too, because a lot of older workers are not let go, but they're made to feel less bad or they're diminished or things happen that sort of allow them to question their work. In my case, it was a simple situation of somebody younger than me, close to a decade, who was, in my opinion, less ageist than he was just sort of careless because he 
was moving me into a role, not changing my pay, not doing anything other than making me feel less than. It was a diminished role. I didn't have P&L accountability anymore. I didn't have, I used to run an office, so I had hundreds of people working for me. I think in his mind, why do you care you're getting the same money? In my mind, I cared deeply because I was not done and I was not ready to sort of be sunsetted and sidelined and put in a role that didn't feel meaningful. But what happened in that case was I think he, in a very poor choice of words, said in an angry tone of voice, because the fact that I wasn't happily accepting this so-called promotion was causing him stress. And he had to sort of unwind some things. He's just simply said to me in this tone of voice, well, how much longer do you want to work anyway? Mm. Um, and at this point, I can't remember exactly how old I was. I think I was 55. No, 56 or 57. I had zero intention of going anywhere anytime soon. And I was still good at my job, making the company money, engaging with my people, beloved bot. You know, it just didn't make any sort of sense. And so at that point, you know, I just saw didn't feel valued. And I said, goodbye. I went out. And so, yes, ageism forced me out. I wasn't fired, but it certainly, for the first time in, you know, over 40 years, I quit without a job, you know, and there I was um, trying to figure out what I was going to do next, which honestly was a good thing because it's when I wrote my book. <laughs> so it got on your radar in a way that it hadn't been before. Exactly. Yeah. We spend a lot of time in your book talking about stereotypes, ages stereotypes. What Can you tell us what some of those are? I think you've just described maybe. A yeah, I, a couple. I mean, I think, you know, one of the um, the most harmful to, I think, you know, and I struggled, by the way, when you said, you know, so-called old work. I don't know how to define that. To me, older is legally protected at 40 and above. Discrimination is felt. 40 and above. Some people want to work till they're 90. Some people want to work till they're 70. So I, an older worker to me is probably over 40. Um, and so I think that for this generation of baby boomers like myself, we had one of the most common forms of discrimination and or stereotypes rather is that we don't understand technology, that we can't, you know, handle social media, that we are computer illiterate, you know, some of those things. And so it manifests itself in ways, a lot of times where people will literally put in a job description, we're looking to hire a digital native. Well, a digital native simply means somebody who was born, you know, in a time when Facebook was already here, you know, social media already existed. And so it's second nature to them. It also means quite honestly, usually that they're cheap because they're in their 20s or 30s and they're not going to be as inexpensive for a corporation to employ as somebody that's older. Um, so it's things like that. It's things that, you know, not as um, able to learn new things. We see a dramatic drop off in training like that's paid for by companies for anybody over 40. They simply make the decision whether they're saying it out loud or not, well, this person's runway, meaning the amount of years they have to keep working for us is shorter than this 20-something or 30-something-year-old's runway. So I'm going to spend the money to send that person to training about how social media is going to affect marketing or how to work with um, Gen Z. Well, guess what? Then that same person that you didn't send to training 
Now you're going to turn around and say, well, they don't know enough about how to work with Gen Z and different things. So it becomes this self-perpetuating, you know, really negative for the older worker set of stereotypes. Yeah. Uh, have you, did you go, did you, after you left that position, did you go back into corporate life or have you always now been independent? No, I, I did. Um, and it's kind of, I actually, it's a good story. So I, um, my first book came out very shortly um, before the pandemic. And so I had hoped that it would provide me more of an opportunity to do some consulting on ageism. And, and I definitely, and this is maybe a separate topic we can go back to, I really wanted, my sort of mission was to not necessarily make this the problem of those of us that are desiring to work and make put the responsibility where I think it belongs, which is on the business world, who have some of these stereotypes. So that then became a little bit challenging during the pandemic because there wasn't a lot of um, consulting going on or speaking or these sorts of things. And so I was debating what to do when a woman who I had literally hired as an intern 20 some odd years before had just been put in a new position where she had to lead the integration of two um, agencies. My background is mostly agency, communications agencies. And she had to lead this integration of these agencies um, at a time when she also was pregnant with her first child. Um, there was just a lot going on. And she said, I could really use your wisdom, Gail, to go back to your earlier point about why wouldn't people want this wisdom? And she said, I know you've done this before. Would you ever consider coming back to work? And at the time, um, I really hadn't thought about it, but I started to think about it. And I said, but it's really important to me. I just sort of launched this ageism thing and I want to keep at it and I want to keep being able to have the time to talk about it. And um, I said, you know, and so I said, I could do it, but I just can't do it full time. And her response was perfect. And I think, you know, really sort of indicates the value of older workers because she said, look, you can do in three days what a lot of people would need all five days to do. So, yes. And so I ended up going back to work and staying in that organization for a couple of years um, until I wrote my second book. <laughs> you um, you also talk about gendered ageism in, in the book. And so... And, and more than just female versus male. So tell us a little bit about that and how we yeah. think about it. Well, it, it so interestingly, my first book, it was a conscious decision on my part not to focus on that. And part of that was, you know, and it's true, ageism is the one form of discrimination that affects all of us. You know, regardless of our race, our sexual preference, our gender, anything, we all get older and therefore are at risk, I think, for experiencing ageism. And my second thought was, I don't want to divide us. I want us all to be united, you know, sort of in this um, quest to um, make a eradicate ageism. But after my book came out, I would say that the besides people just saying, thank you for writing about this, and this is a problem and something we need to talk about, I heard from a lot of women who said, in one way or another, come on, you know, you know, it's worse for us. Why aren't you, why didn't you address that? Why didn't you address the difference in differences in gendered ageism? And I, you know, my gut, my instinct told me, yes, they were right, but I wanted to do a little bit of research. And I found out that it is a quantifiable difference. And a lot of it has to do with, 
another ism that we deal with in our world, and that is lookism. Um, it is, it matters and it matters more to women, you know, sort of what we look like and, um, you know, things like letting our hair go gray or choices that don't seem to have as much of a negative impact on men, um, as they have on women. And although I will say, thank you. That's the one, one positive benefit of the pandemic is I think we're all, we all became much more comfortable with going gray, um, but there were also, you know, one of the things that I learned when I started to do my research is that almost no companies have any plan or discussion of menopause. And so as long as menopause is something that impacts women, and yes, there is something called male menopause, but it's such a fraction, it's, it really doesn't deserve our conversation at this point, then women are going to be, you know, going to be discriminated against because of certain things that biologically happen to us when we go through this phase of our lives. And so I just think that it's, it's just, um, and a, and a third factor, which was something that I experienced firsthand, it's a little bit harder to research, but was that especially during the pandemic, but not only during the pandemic, women are still more likely to step out of the workplace to raise a family. And we've seen improvements in that where it is not, you know, sort of assume that it will always be the mother that does this, but it is still predominantly the female that does. And so what do you think happens when you step out of the workplace, be it for two years, three years, five years, 10 years, you, you do lose. I'm not saying you lose your value, but you lose some of that experience and some of those things that happen in the workplace. So now you reenter the workplace sometime in your forties, perhaps, and now you've got sort of the double whammy of missing those years, being a little bit older and having, you know, some of the ge other gender things that we've talked about. And it just, um, you know, kind of a triple whammy at that point on women. Right. Right. I was wondering if um, the, we hear that more and more women are be are leaving corporate play to become entrepreneurs. And I'm wondering if any, if you've seen a trend, is any of that connected to I'm leaving to be an entrepreneur, become an entrepreneur because I'm sick and tired of being this, experiencing this uh, ageism. Is there any connection? Yeah, there's definitely a connection, and some of it is is um, it's also like I had no choice. I had to leave. I'm not done. You know, I still have more that I want to do. So I guess I have to create my own opportunities. And so a lot of people, I think have chosen and the success rate by the way of older entrepreneurs is significantly higher than younger entrepreneurs not surprisingly because we've learned a few things along the way that help us from making some of the more common mistakes yeah and and a lot of women move to not not just creating their own company with a lot of employees but to doing the kind of work that you're doing, consulting, speaking, sure. writing, and uh, incorporating that into a business because that's what it is. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's good. Uh, it's, is there any way that you think individuals in the workplace can prepare themselves to avoiding these stereotypes as they age? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think for sure. And I... Um, I think that there's a couple things. Number one, I'm always um, very careful to say that this is not about an entitlement, that we are entitled to work 
you know, the rest of our lives just because we want to. We have to, every one of us, I think, has the obligation to earn our keep, you know, almost daily, like, you know, prove value, um, deliver um, on the promises that we make when we accept a certain job. And so that requires all the things that it would of anyone of any age, staying current about trends in the industry, um, you know, reading, learning. I love your, you know, curiosity, creativity, and courage. Like those are all like super important to any of us as we want to continue having the right to keep working as long as we want to. But the other thing that I think that we can do is um, sort of keep our eyes and ears wide open. And so as I alluded to in the beginning about my own experience, I think that I was surely seeing signs of ageism that I just wasn't noticing. Mm -hmm. And had I noticed them when I was younger and used my voice to sort of advocate, which I think we all have gotten much better at about, you know, many of the other categories of discrimination. Like I think that for hopefully at the majority of us, if we saw someone overtly being discriminated against because of the color of their skin, we would scream about it. That's not right. I don't want to work for the kind of company that says you can't have this job just because you're black. You know, well, guess what? That same company may be more subtly saying you can't have this job just because you're old. So we have to just start to notice these things much earlier in our career and call them out when we see them. And not, I don't mean, you know, screaming from the rafters. I also just mean asking questions when we're looking at our company's DE&I policy. Does it address age? It should. And if it doesn't, can't we just raise our hand and say, what about protecting the rights of older workers? And so I think there are things that we can do, not just to advocate for ourselves, but to advocate for all all people in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, uh, you describe a few companies that are doing a really good job. Yes. And, and I, I hoped I'd find more of them. That was part of my, um, objective when I wrote my second book was to have a whole new chapter, um, about companies that were doing great things. And I didn't find as many, um, but there were some, but I think, you know, one of the most common things that the companies that are doing the right things are doing is acknowledging the problem. You know, it is so true that you can't solve a problem until you admit you have one. And, Companies are starting to realize that they just haven't been paying attention. And I, and I do think I'm a, a bit of an optimist by nature. I do think that the majority of companies who are not doing as much as they could from a positive standpoint are doing it out of just neglect, not intention. Mm-hmm. And they just weren't thinking about these things. And so companies are starting to do things like take an audit and look at the age of their employee population. And if it is all bunched up in the 30s and 40s, you might have an issue that you need to address and make sure that you have more employees in the 50s and 60s and beyond, depending on the kind of business that you're in. Um, I knew, you know, as I mentioned, I, my background is agencies is mostly in the communications and advertising side, but I know companies where they are marketing a product to an older American with 20 somethings who just simply can't relate or don't have that experience to understand some of those things. So your workforce should look like and mirror the population at large, no matter what you do, if you're really going to be effective at that. Um, there are more 
affinity groups, you know, where there used to be um, mm -hmm. affinity groups for working women or working parents or, um, you know, ethnic minorities. We're starting to now see them for older and intergenerational workforces, which I think is super fabulous. And I'm excited to see those popping up more and more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, so um, where are we, do you think, really, on the continuum from nothing's happening at all and people aren't recognizing ageism at all work in workplaces and companies too. We're doing a much better job. Well, you did say that there weren't as many companies that you found that you would have liked to have found. Uh, but yeah, I, I think in general, though, we are doing better. Like I, I feel like since I, you know, 2018 to in the past five years, um, I felt oftentimes that there were very few voices out there that were talking about that. And now I truly feel like there are lots more voices. I'm very happy that I feel like I can just, you know, like comments as opposed to feeling like I always had to be the one that started the discussion. Mm -hmm. I will also tell you that one of my most favorite positive experiences that I've had on this journey was working with a class of graduate students in communications who were doing studying and talking about you know diversity and equity but realized that they hadn't you know addressed age so they were going they addressed age in it and so these were you know students so i'm 23 24 i think and i asked them all to go home it happened to be that they spoke to me before thanksgiving and they were finishing up their project after the semester break in the new year and i said just go home and talk to your parents talk to your aunts and uncles talk to people and they came back fired up because they said, oh, my God, my mom has been worried about this. Or my aunt told me this. So they just started to realize that this was an issue. And part of the reason I'm optimistic is that this generation of 20-somethings was raised by two working parents for the most part. And they were raised by mothers whose careers were very important to them. I, you know, my generation, we a lot of us had stay-at-home moms or different things. And now these younger people have um, this expectation that careers are important to both of the parents. And so they, um, you know, I just feel like we, we have more advocates at younger ages than we certainly did 10 years ago. And so that gives me optimism. Yeah. That's a great note to end on. Catherine, did you have any other questions? Well, sure, but let's see. <laughs> um, I was just, I was thinking about one of our early guests who is um, director of uh, outplace, you know, outplacement, and she works with CEOs. And she tells a story of um, a CEO who said, now don't give me one of those old coaches to work with. And um, I need somebody young. And she said, What's right? No, she's very outspoken. What's wrong with you? Because you want somebody who's your equal, your peer, who knows your, uh, who knows your company, who has experience to bring. And so it's a advocate for aid for the older people. Yet I'm kind of wondering what kind of assumptions are there about what a younger person might be able to do as well. Yeah. Nah. For sure. 
Well, there's room for all of us is my answer to that. There's room for, we don't need to, it's not a zero sum game where in order to create the opportunity, you know, for those of us who are older to stay in the workplace, we can't hire as many young people. We, we can work together to create opportunities. And I've always felt like the special sauce is when you bring all of these different opinions together to come up with the right strategy. Yes. Well, thank you, Patty, so much. And listeners, <laughs> listeners, thanks to you to your loyalty. Our numbers are growing all across the country and even overseas, and that's a good thing. But we still need more subscribers, and you can subscribe in our YouTube channel. Uh, you can leave reviews on Apple Play, and um, you can. We uh, hope that you will join Agent We Imagine Circle, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>